great. So one thing I did not hear while you guys were mingling and introducing yourself, I didn't hear a lot of puckering and like a lot of hoodie kisses. So that's good. You guys aren't embracing that culture. Um, there are certain areas, probably in Florida or other countries, or I know in Louisiana, you'll get a hug and a kiss. Uh, a pastor that I served underneath, he was probably about this tall, and he was very charismatic. And um, he would pick up the heaviest football players. He'd grab them, I mean, probably grab them in their thighs, because that's how short he was. And he'd pick them up off the ground, and he'd give them, I'm talking like a wet kiss on the forehead. I mean, he'd have to climb up on stools or chairs to give them a holy kiss. But there wasn't one person that never felt loved and welcomed by this pastor. And I asked him, I said, dude, how did you ever get to this? He said, well, he said, I was a life insurance salesman. And he said, I learned when I used to go up in the hood, nobody's going to shoot anybody that's smiling and waving. You know, he said, so I just turned it up a knob and I just started giving people a hug and a kiss too. You know, I said, well, it's working good for you, but it ain't working good for me, you know, because no man's ever kissed me that way, you know. Um, but it's pretty awesome how as Christians, we should have more love than anyone else. Like we should have more freedom to express our agape love, our unconditional love than anyone else. That is one thing that we should not hold back. That is one thing that we should not, you know, kind of restrain or muzzle is the love, the agape love of God. Now, for those of you who are dating and those of you who are married, um, this is a weekend that you should not muzzle back and restrain your acts and uh, communication signs of love, right? Because somehow, millions of years ago, it probably wasn't that long, just a couple hundred maybe, if that, uh, uh, Valentine's Day just fell in, in February, and it happens tomorrow. So for those of you who didn't buy anything, you haven't set up some elaborate escapade, just you're going away, taking your wife, getting a foot massage and all that stuff, um, I just let Brandy do all that for me. She's the one that whisks me away and takes care of me. And she would love to do that tomorrow, except for the fact that she's had vertigo severely since like 9 o'clock yesterday morning. And um, so it kind of let me off the hook on a Valentine's. So that's good. You know, I'm just joking, guys. That's horrible. Uh, but I have been taking care of her. I've been Brandy caring uh, for the last 24 hours. And my heart is broken um, for her. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to be a downer because she's at home by herself, and if she needs me, she's going to call me, okay? So if y'all see me answer this phone, it's because she can't get up, um, and uh, I'll have to head home. So um, what we are is uh, on week three of our new message series called Relations Strive. And a lot of us have relationships. A lot of us have broken relationships. A lot of us have broken and yet amended relationships, okay? So what we're choosing to do through this message series is not only just exist, not only maintain or make it alive through certain relationships, but we want to strive uh, to improve and to make the best out of every single relationship that we can create or the ones that we currently have, okay? So for those of you who are here, I ask that you invite others for the next couple of weeks. Today we are going to be talking about dating. I'm so happy to see so many young people here this morning, and I'm so happy to see so many married couples here this morning with gray in your hair, because dating does not stop. Dating does not stop. Come on, ladies, y'all need to do a little elbow nudging, kicking, stomping on the toes. 
Dating does, and husbands do the same to your wife because you know she comes home looking like a mess all the time. You better keep yourself up, amen? Husbands, y'all need to be doing sit-ups and things, okay? I'm just, all right, y'all guys getting this. So dating doesn't stop when you say, I do. I do just means I do continue to date you as we share our lives together. So uh, today we're going to be talking about dating. Next week we're going to be covering the topic of marriage. It's going to be phenomenal. There's going to be a lot of blushing going on. I'm going to get I'm going to get real clear and precise. I'm going to help some of you couples out, amen, uh, that have been married and you're struggling in certain areas. So we're going to talk about that. And then the final week, which is two weeks from now, we're going to be covering like the end result of most relationships. And that is we get hurt. And when we get hurt in relationships, because we're so bonded, we're so connected, we're so invested, we're so trusting in these relationships, and we get hurt, that just sets us up for some difficult times in future relationships. I'm talking friendships, all relationships, because we get hurt. So two weeks from now, we're going to learn on how to love after I've been hurt. How to love again after I've been hurt, okay? Or, better yet, how to love like you've never been hurt. Can I get an amen? So that's for everyone. You want to make sure that you are here in two weeks for that, and that'll be the finale, the conclusion of our, uh, our message series. For those of you uh, who got a share when you walked in, if you don't have one, one of our handsome uh, deacons will bring one out to you. Just lift up your hand, a share. You should have gotten one when you came in. The reason why I'm asking you to lift your hand, if you don't have one, is because we're giving away $100 bills right now. If you don't have a share, anybody doesn't have a share, just lift it up. <laughs> All the rich ladies are already lifting their hands like, I want another hundred. Um, I'm being facetious. But honestly, guys, I want you guys to write down someone that you're praying for. When Lift, lift up your hand. Charlie's back in. He's the only good-looking deacon here today. You know, Mike's over here, too. He's looking around for the good-looking deacon. He's got a tie on and suspenders. Yeah, gravity's getting the worst out of his pants. You know how that happens when you get a little old, right? So, um... It happens for some of you young folks. So what I want you to do is actually write down the person you've been praying for the last couple of weeks that needs help in relationships. And you know who I'm talking about. I don't know who you're talking about. You know. They need help in relationships. So just write their name down. Uh, this week, Wendy and I joined together and prayed over every single one of our Connect cards, um, some of the, the people that you're praying for, and requested that they be put on the prayer list. We put them on the prayer list as well. So now you don't only have just staff praying for them. You have our prayer team praying for them as well. So please write down a person that you're praying for and inviting over to the next couple of weeks of this message series. And when service is done on your way out, as you give your offering in the offering box on either side of the worship center, please also drop in your Connect card with any prayer needs or praises that you like to offer in the name of someone you're praying for. So relation strive. I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, relation is a noun that describes an aspect or a quality that is established, some common ground established between two things, or in our sake, two people, two persons, okay? And they begin working together. There's a common ground. There's a relation between two different people. And not only do we just want to have a relation, some common ground, a quality that connects us, which in our case, it's, it's God. The second thing is that we want to strive. That's the verb. We want to make special efforts. We want to make great efforts to achieve and obtain something. What do we want to obtain in our relationships? I'm going to get to that in a second. Now, with striving, you devote energy. You devote efforts towards that relationship. Now, we can see that. We've had friends 
or we've had relationships with people, we were the only ones striving towards maintaining and improving that relationship, right? Maybe you've experienced that. I've experienced that quite a bit in my time, you know. And then I've also experienced the benefit of people trying to strive with building a relationship with me. Um, and it definitely helped me out because, it, you know, a lot of times because we've been hurt, we get a little standoffish. And, and these people, they wanted to strive in this relationship. They penetrated my little walls, and I saw that they genuinely cared about me. They loved me. They cared about my well-being, and they wanted to be there for me. So thank you for those of you who have shown me that throughout the years. So our relations strive is that we want to get two people together, two or more people together, join together for one cause. And what is the cause? What are we, what are we striving for? We want healthy relationships. What are we striving for? We want to, our target, our goal, is that we raise up devoted followers of Christ. That is the basis. That is the foundation that should be for any and all of our relationships, is that we somehow impact, influence their life, that they become a devoted follower of Christ. Okay? And then as we continue, which Mike just shared a while ago, next week we're starting the Purge and Pack so all of you can bring totes next Sunday and uh, plan to be here uh, for our service. And like he said, 1130, we're going to end service. We're going to have 30 minutes of some, some sandwiches, maybe some soups. We'll join together, and then we'll just start purging and packing. There are certain things that the buyer would like to stay with the building, and they're going to have, like, green ribbon all tied all over it to make sure that nobody touches it or moves it. It stays other than that, our ministry leaders are going to be guiding each and every one of you as to what we're going to be purging, which will be sent back to the gym or to the dumpster or to the next church or the next ministry. Also, we're helping out a church that is planting. They're starting, so we're going to be giving them some sound equipment. We're going to be giving them like 40 chairs, metal fold-up chairs, uh, because my last pastor told me, you sow where you want to go. So, you know, if you're struggling in relationships, then you want to sow into healthy relationships. If you're struggling in your finances, you want to sow into the only power that can give you finances back and give you blessings back, and that's God. So for us, we want to plant a church. We want to plant LifeSpring Church, and in order for us to, to do that, we want to sow some more seeds. So we're going to sow seeds into planting another church. So just guys giving you a heads up what's coming up very soon. And the purpose, the reason why we're focusing on this right now is because we all want to introduce people to the living waters. And who's the living waters? God, Jesus. Tim hadn't even been here the last couple of weeks, and you gave the first answer. The living waters is Jesus. Let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 4, 13 and 14, so all of us can start to memorize, to start to ingest, to take this scripture to heart. This is our focus as we become LifeSpring Church. And that is, as Jesus said to the person, he said, look, he said, you may drink the water that this earth gives, but you're going to be thirsty again. Jesus said, but you drink the water that I give. And here's the, here's the awesome part. Not only will you never thirst again, but inside of you becomes a what? A spring giving you eternal Life. Let's read this together in verse 13 and 14. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, everybody say fresh. Life Spring Church, we're going to have a lot of fresh things happening nonstop. We're not going to become stagnant. We're not going to stay put. We're going to constantly be depending upon the Holy Spirit for fresh bubbling spring Where? 
within you. So we're not going to go to a church to get something. We are the church. Amen? We're not going to go somewhere to, to quench our thirst. Jesus is our thirst quencher. So it says right here in the scripture, it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And one last thing I want to say about last week is all of you who were here, you got a chance to learn how valuable you are and how valuable each and every single relation strive you make is. Remember that, how we talked about Paul, Saul, met Barnabas, Ananias, and without meeting those two specific people, his life may not have been the same way. Therefore, you life, your life may not have been the same way because Paul wrote a third of the New Testament, which most of it, you know, we, we, we follow every single bit of what he wrote, but he wrote one third of it. And what we learned last week is I am one friendship away. Every person in your life right now, now and the ones to come, I am one friendship away from changing my story and making history. His story. And I shared with you, if I would not have met Brandy, if her dad would not led me to the Lord, we wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be your pastor today. I wouldn't have the influence and the opportunity to invest in the people like I've had over the last 20-something years if it not been for that one friendship and all the pastors and all the Christians that came along those years, all throughout those years, they helped shape and direct my steps. So just keep in mind that all of us are one friendship away from changing our story and making history. Amen? I want you guys to give your attention to the screen. I got this sweet little short movie that I believe each and every one of us will get something from. So as you can tell, um, a lot of you are laughing because I'm assuming you identify with some of the ludicrous attributes that this young man was attracted to um, early on in his love life. Amen? Um, but he's, he's talking about we shouldn't fall in love until we get older and, and this and that. And it was just pretty crazy how just the littlest thing would cause him to doubt the love that he had for the one that he had just fallen in love with. This all happens in one day. Any of you had that type of uh, upgrowing, up upcoming no, just me and that young boy there. Okay, Ron, you're too. Okay, right, thank you for admitting that. He makes me feel good sometimes. He's, I'm not the only oddball. We got two oddballs here. Um, but today we're going to be talking about falling in love and finding that special someone. And uh, wouldn't it be cool just remembering how you were when you were in the fourth grade? That's a long time ago. That's like, that was before pictures came in color for some of y'all, right? Um, but here's one thing that we saw is that in the video and in, in our, even in our own lives, we, we fell in love with certain attributes of this person that them, like the attributes alone are not enough to maintain the relationship, right? Oh, Pastor Damon, if you would just see her smile, if you would, that smile is not always going to be there, right? Oh, if you could, you could just see her curves, Pastor Damon, them curves change, right, guys? And then ladies, oh, if you could just see how, how he is, oh, he's such a helpful man. He helps everyone. He does th that changes, right? Oh, he's so handsome. You should see the abs. They hide, right? Come on, ladies. I'm giving y'all a chance to give a little amen. What I'm getting at, those attributes, you see, my, one of my attributes, my attributes was hair. Like, I felt like Samson. 
Like, I felt like my hair had all the power to do what my mouth could not. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't talk my way into getting a girl, but my hair. You see, the Lord took that from me, right? <laughs> Alex did the same thing for you, Sean. You know, it just goes away. So our hair will never look the same as it did. But the, certain, certain things we fall in love, and we find ourselves jumping into relationships before we actually know who we are. Or we don't know who the other person is as well. And I think it's dangerous. And I think today, if you're dating or, or if you have someone that you're close to that's, that's in that field or making a lot of wrong decisions, I think you should be taking some notes to get them set up for victory in Jesus' name. Amen? But we find ourselves jumping into relationships um, and not even knowing God, not knowing what God has for us, not knowing his plan for us. And then we just get all kinds of tangled up. And, and messed up relationships. But here's the cool part about it. I've heard people often say, I just, I wish, I wish God, I'm not even God, I just wish they had some instruction for dating. You know, what well, here, right here in this book, I know it doesn't say courting or dating as much as we'd all like to when we're at those times in our lives, but I assure you that relationships are founded in here. Guidelines, boundaries, expectations, safety nets it's all here filters it's all right here in this book and when you want something bad enough you're willing to just dig through until you get the answer amen it's all right here in this book now along with this book there are millions trillions probably of other resources that help you when it comes to establishing new relationships today we're talking about dating but for those of us who are past dating okay I want us to think of it in the manner of just relationships, friendships, building some sort of relation, a common ground between two, two or more people, and then working towards a specific goal, okay? So another good resource that came out uh, by Dr. John Van Epp, uh, it's a little, little program, a little setup, and it's called the Relationship Attachment Model. Because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but as humans, God created us with this, this sort of attachment device, this sort of uh, bonding that happens. And it can happen emotionally, it can happen physically, and for those of you who have been intimately involved, you are well aware on this bonding that occurs chemically, right? Only a couple happily married people that are still enjoying those chemical bonds. The rest of you will have counseling after service or maybe next week, okay? We'll, we'll, let, we'll let Valentine's Day happen first and see if that changes for some of you. But in this... Um, the doctor was talking, he spent like tons of years investing time and energy in this research, okay? It, it, medically, it, it, it's, it's true, it's accurate. Scientifically, it's true and accurate. And scripturally, you will find the same amount of backup and support with what he lays out with this relationship bonding. Now, we oftentimes, we just jump over a couple of different steps in relationships, okay? Uh, one night stands, flings. In the last 10 years, the word hookup has been a term used for many, many relationships um, and across the board. But if you go by this relationship attachment model, I want us to look at a little diagram there, a little image. That helps us understand that if we take steps in building any type of relationships, friendships, or dating, that if you take these steps as they're, as they're, as they're listed from left to right, you will find yourselves growing in a healthy relationship at any given time if you bypass jump frog jump what do you call it when you leap frog leap what's 
Leapfrog, I got it backwards. I'm dyslexic with words, not even letters. But um, leapfrog, you jump over one. And when you do that with this, as probably many of us have, you'll see that all kinds of chaos begins to happen, okay? So the beauty in having relationship drive is that we don't want to jump ahead in any of these steps until you have established a full understanding of yourself at each level and a full understanding of the person you're building either a friendship with or a relationship with at each progressive step. See, what messed me up is at six years old, see, I should have gone with this step, this relationship attachment model, no, trust, rely, commit, touch. But what happened when I was six years old, Olivia Newton-John came out with this song and it just covered the radio and they tried to like pitch the video as if she really cared about our physical well-being because she says, let's get physical, physical. You guys know that song a lot of y'all like, oh, yeah. But look, that messed me up because I went from getting a chance or wanting a six year old to get want to know someone. And all I could hear was a Lee Newton Johnson. Let's get physical. So I would go up to certain girls at school and I'd be like, hey, um, I like your pen pouch. But then a Lee Newton John was like, let's get physical. I'm like, you want to kiss? It didn't work out well for me, you know what I mean? In, in the fourth grade and the fifth grade and the kindergarten, I got kicked a lot of times, you know, a lot of times. Anyway, you guys act like you're holy and stuff, but <laughs> no one gave me this guideline. I just went straight into to, to just the last stage. Everybody say, pas bon. So the first one, I want us to take notes. The first one is to know, to know someone. Everybody say, no. Not no, N-O, but K-N-O-W, right? Know someone. First column is no, to bond with someone, getting a chance to know them. Here's the deal. When we get a chance to know someone, that is to be done appropriately. To get a chance to know someone and know them appropriately and also spend appropriate, appropriate time with them. I've often seen in myself when I was dating and I watch other teenagers, I was 16 years I was with uh, High school kids, I was a youth pastor, youth pastor, 16 years, and then worked with college, and then worked with married couples, the whole progression. But what I've seen is that a lot of people, they just jump, they jump past no. No, you want to spend appropriate time with someone in an appropriate setting. So if you're a Christian and you're looking for someone, that special someone, I highly suggest that as you get a chance to know someone, you don't do that in seclusion or isolation. You do, you do that out in the open. You, you get another brother or sister in Christ that you're close with that can speak into your life and that you have accountability with, and then you do things together. Not a double date, because that still also sets a platform of we are in this dating relationship. No, I'm just trying to get a chance to know you right now. Make sense? So you want to just hang out, spend some time with those people in a very open setup, open situation. Uh, as you get a chance to know someone, you want to ask, a lot of questions. Ladies, men, you begin getting a chance to know someone. You need to ask a lot of questions to the point that they feel uncomfortable. What is this, 21 questions? Yeah, it's 21 plus 221. We're just getting started. Why are you asking all these questions? Because you want to what? You want to know them. So you want to ask you want to ask questions about them. You want to ask questions about their social circle. You want to see if you're even invited to hang out with them in their social circle. Well, Pastor Damon, they've just been hurt by so many people. They just don't have friends. 
if, if he's not lying, if he's telling the truth, he can't be like the innocent one of every single relationship, right? I know we got some horrible people in this world, but there are some people we can get along with. So you want to make sure that, okay, well, let me just pay attention. Let me ask some more questions that they're not just the Lone Ranger. You want to make sure that they have balanced relationships. You want to ask them about their past. I said, you want to ask them about their past. You want to ask them about their family. You want to ask them about their friends. You want to ask them about their past relationships. And if they don't speak highly about someone along those lines, whether it be family or whether it be a past dating relationship, if they can't give you the good in each one of those situations, I'm just asking you, hold back. Everybody say, start applying the brakes. Start applying the brakes. There may, be, there may be a certain perspective or view in this person's life that you are not equipped to alter or change. Amen? You may be one of those sob, sad sob stories a year from now, six months from now, two months from now. So you want to get a chance to know them. Everybody say no. Knowing a potential mate cannot happen in isolation. Why? Because if you're a Christian, Christianity is about community. So one of the best ways, one of the best ways to ever filter or to test whether or not this person of interest in your life is a potential candidate is to let him hang out with me. Let her hang out with me or Brandy so we can ask those hard questions. I remember when Brandy, I mean, when Wendy went on her first date with, with a young man. This is before David. And, um, and she said, well, I'm going to meet. We're going to have dinner together. But I'm going to invite our college pastor over. And they sat down. They had dinner together. And you got to understand the individual I'm talking about. And he was served the special ops, numerous tours in Iraq. I mean, just rough around the edges, plenty of times. And he asked this young man some very pointed questions at the dinner table and your boy was squirming and wendy was as red as red can get because she was not prepared for that type of filtering and questioning <laughs> but what did he do it said hey you're not just chasing this one girl but you're getting affiliated and acquainted with all of us and we watching <laughs> amen so if you're a Christian, listen, there is something about being connected to a faith community and establishing those friendships, establishing those relationships in the context of community. Everybody say amen. You want to find out, can I trust these? That's the next step. Can I trust? Because listen, people are going to be able to speak to you. I don't, I don't know, something's off with that girl. Something's off with that guy. Oh, you just don't want, you just want me to be single until I'm 50. Well, if that's God's will, then you need to accept that. <laughs> But God's will is that you don't get messed up with these relationships. So, yes, I'm going to speak very frankly. So let's go to the next step. The next step is trust. Trust only happens when you get a chance to know someone. Don't just start trusting someone because they said ABC. Do you know them? Have you asked them all these questions? Amen? Have you spoken to their past ex-boyfriends and girlfriends? Have you spoken to their family members, the ones that they can't stand? It's good to get a balance perspective right so you got to know someone before you can trust them and because you start knowing people you begin to make this image of them and if that's the picture that you like then you start looking for areas that you can trust him or her in now what trust does is it develops the desire to be known 
that goes both ways. If you're engaging in some sort of relationship with someone and, and, and they don't want to be known, they don't want to answer your questions, they may not be someone you will end up being able to trust, right? If I want to be trustworthy, I'm going to be transparent because I might value trustworthiness more than I do how you view who I am. Does that make sense? So I'm going to be open. That's the thing. Whenever you want to start trusting someone, you need to make sure that they have a desire to be open, that they have a desire to be trusted. And if they want to be trusted, they're going to provide you the necessary steps that it takes in order for you to trust them. Right. I've often seen, why don't you trust me? Do you want to list why I don't trust you? Give them that list. It may break off the relationship, but don't move forward. Don't move forward. And I speak this out of conviction because my, my younger sister, I have two half-sisters, the middle one, um, she had been dating a guy, got pregnant, and they were ready to get married. I said, okay, God, here's my opportunity to ask me to do the wedding. I said, okay, I'll do premarital counseling with you guys because I'm sure there's a lot of things that need some work. And we lived about two hours away, so it just didn't offer it. At that time, we didn't have Zoom. We didn't have uh, all the other video-driven uh, connect opportunities. So anyway, they drove up, and we just started and come to find out, I asked them, do you have any addictions? Well, yeah, uh, I don't know if you call it addictions. I, I like to have a drink every, every now and then. I said, how often every now and then? Well, every day. Okay, well, how much? And he began to share these things. And, and I said, is that everything that you struggle with? Yes. I said, I asked my sister, is that everything that he struggles with? Yeah, I, I would say so. And it's really not, it's nothing like we grew up with, Damon. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's, okay. Come to find out, yes, not only was he had an addiction to alcohol, but he had an addiction to prescription drugs, street drugs, uh, pornography. I mean, she woke up in the middle of the night. Her husband went laying in bed. She walks to the living room and finds him online doing stuff you don't want in your house with your young child in the home. You guys get me? Ask the questions. Stalk them. In a good manner. You want to find out. You want to ask family. You want to be able to trust them. You want to make sure that they have given those parts of their lives over. Those sinful parts. And they've crucified those in Christ. You want to make sure that they have the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has, has reigned in their life. They have the gifts of love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self control you want to make sure that they have they display these attributes for then you start okay well maybe okay i'm getting a chance to know them i'm getting a chance to trust them now now the next stage is to rely upon them because i can trust alex okay because he's still over there i trust you i got a chance to know you i trust you but am i at a place where i can rely on alex no because that's the next stage of our friendship that's the next stage of our relationship the third bonding dynamic in any relationships is to rely upon someone and that's an action to rely on someone is the action that follows developing a certain level of trust right when i trust you now i'm going to see if i can begin relying upon you reliance grows from the ways that you meet one another's needs that's how you begin to rely on someone. When that person, you've entrusted that person to meet a need that you had, that's when you begin to rely on them and vice versa. 
that they begin to rely on me. They trust me. Now they are relying on me to meet that need. It could be just a helping hand. It could be just, hey, man, I need to talk with you. Can you listen? Can we talk on the phone? Hey, can we meet up somewhere for coffee? Hey, can you come help me move? What exactly do you want to move? Well, my whole house. Well, let me give you Mike Hosey's number. Um, <laughs> he's got like a trailer and a truck, you know. want to make sure that we're knowing someone, we're developing trust, and then we can begin to rely on them, and we begin to meet their needs, and we begin, they, uh, they meet our needs. Now, here's the question is, how willing are you both to serve one another selflessly? That's when you begin to see, can I really rely on this person? Are they willing to serve me the way that I'm willing to serve them? Can I rely on them? Now, when you come to an agreement, you decide upon something, you make plans, you trust them, and you place this reliance upon them. Does their word come before any other distraction? I told you I was doing such and such. I'm going to take care of it. Or do they continue to give you excuse after excuse after excuse? Now, here's even worse is when they begin to blame others or you for the fact that they did not fulfill that expectation. Just pay attention to those things, okay? That they honor your trust so much so that they want to be relied upon and they're going to take ownership if that need does not get met. Amen? Those are some things that can work and help you out in every single relationship, whether it be dating or whether it be friendships. There are certain dangers that are there whenever you over-depend on someone. Why? Well, because they were, they were like everything. And I, I knew them. I, I trusted them. I relied on them. But here's where we fall. We've placed too much reliance on that person. We've placed too much dependency upon that person. And then we begin to be overly dependent. They become, you know, a codependent. We, we depend upon them more than we do God. And that's one thing in my friendships, I always tell people, I will let you down. Is that a cop out? Is that me just making excuses for why I'm not striving to be the best? Absolutely not. I'm just telling you, there is no way on this planet that I could ever, ever, ever fulfill all of your desires in our friendship. So I'm getting that. I used to not. I used to do everything I could to please you. And it would just because that was the wrong aim. People would get hurt and things would get destroyed. So I've tried to be honest, and I want you guys to see that. You know, when you're building relationships with others, are they reliable? D does their word count more than anything? Okay? You start to depend on them too much, it gets unhealthy. They start to depend on you, it gets unhealthy. You need to understand that only God can meet all of your needs. We sung about that today, right? And Jira, he is our provider. Don't be shacked up with someone because they got a job and they're helping pay the bills. That's not depending on God. Some of you can say amen because you've learned the hard way, right? Right? Speak up. I mean, I'm not saying we're all sinless. I'm just saying we've learned from the sin. Depend on God. You're going to avoid a lot of headaches if you just begin to trust God. Depend on Him. In uh, Matthew uh, 11, 12, 11, 28, 29 talks about that. We want to make sure that these people meet they understand that God is the only one that can meet their fundamental needs. I can't meet all of your needs. You can't meet all of the other person's needs. 
Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. I can't give you it every I can't give you everything. So make sure you understand it. The fourth level of a relationship that progresses in any type of friendship is commit. Everybody say commit. So when you have reliance upon someone that leads over to commitment, uh, commitment is a degree of responsibility you have to maintaining that relationship. That's responsibility. I mean, that's commitment. Commitment is the responsibility that I have in maintaining this relationship. Many times we, we bypass that. We, we like the knowing part. We like the, the trusting part. We like the reliance part. But then commitment's not really where I think it should be. But, oh, my goodness, does it feel good? Does, does, do the touches feel good? And you just forget about the commitment side. And what you're failing to understand is that if he can't commit or she can't commit to you, and she hasn't understand to really rely on God more than you, then somebody else is going to meet those needs. Because they don't want to commit either. Amen? You guys have seen it. You've experienced it yourself. So you want to make sure that as we get to a place of commitment in our friendships, there's a degree of responsibility that we have to maintain a healthy relationship. Why? What does commitment do? Commitment offers security. When I, when I, when I know you, when I trust you, when I rely upon you, and when I see that, that you're, we're committed now, it, it, it establishes security. I know you're going to be there for me. I know that there is seclusiveness, that I'm the only one. Right? I know that I'm the only one. When you tell me you're, you're my BFF, you know, like, people get offended by that. Well, who's your other BFF? No, I just have one. But I'm talking about, like, when you're dating, you want to know that you're the only one, that there is commitment. Y'all getting quiet on me. Last one is touch. Last one is touch. Many times, now, touch doesn't mean sexual. I want to make sure you guys understand that. Touch is just an embrace. It's just a physical touch. Touch is something that God put inside every single human that we long for. There is healing power. There is something transformational that happens with human touch, appropriate human touch. If you look at all the studies they've done for like the last century, and they had like this where they saw so many orphans that were born, they were dying. And they had to figure out why. They didn't have any diseases. They didn't have sicknesses. And they learned after many, many years of studying that they lacked human touch. So these orphans, these infants were dying because they didn't have that power that comes through appropriate human touch. And what do we do? What have we seen? What have we changed? We, as soon as a baby's born, the first thing more than likely that happens is they try to get that baby in the arms of its mother, if at all possible. Why? Because that starts the healing process. That starts the power, okay? Why? Because that's how God created us. Like, we can be friends. We can have good relationships. But what changes when I begin to give you that brotherly hug, when I begin to give you that firm fan, handshake to let you know that I'm with you, I'm for you, I give you the hug to let you know that you're not alone? What happens to our friendship? It gets stronger. What happens whenever you're mourning the loss of a loved one and someone comes up to you, a stranger perhaps, in a grocery store, they can just see that you're having a rough day. They just felt it. And then I just feel like God's telling me, you need a hug today. And they just walk up and give you a hug. And you feel restoration. You feel God's embrace. Why? Because it's the, it's the touch. 
Everybody say, it's the touch. I'm seeing a wife right now just caressing her husband's neck, just, just right here in the service, just to touch. That's a communication. For those of you who have premarital counseling with me, you've learned that physical touch is a love language. Y'all need to learn, y'all need to be bilingual, right? Some of y'all couples, y'all need to get more love language uh, with the human touch because there's something powerful. And what we've seen over the last couple of years is they pulled, pulled, pulled. The forces on this earth have tried their best, obsessively, to get us to pull away from one another. They don't want us hugging. They don't want us handshaking. They don't want us fist bumping. Nothing. And look at all the mental <laughs> disorders. Look at all the suicide that has changed in the last couple of years. Because people are just getting into isolation. We need physical, human, appropriate touch. Right? Matthew 6.33 shares not so much about touch, but it talks about when you put God first, when you seek him first, you'll begin to see that I should be embracing my brother or sister. I should be giving them a handshake or a hug or a high five because we need human touch. But many times relationships, we jump straight to the bed and mess things up. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 through 6 says this, Marriage is to be held in honor along all, among all. Marriage is to be held in honor at all times. It says that is regarding, this is the amplified version, regarding as something of great value in the marriage bed defiled by immorality or by any sexual sin. God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Please don't take that scripture lightly. If you've messed up and you're not married yet, Listen, seek God. He will set you free. He has already forgiven you if you've asked him and you, your life has lined up with that forgiveness. Listen, he's made you new. He makes all creations new. Amen. When you come to him, but just make sure from this point on, you honor the marriage that God has planned for you. Many of us, we want to date. We want to be on the prowl before we're spiritually mature and we make some wrong decisions. God's word teaches us what to do. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I dated as a child. I pursued the opposite sex as a child. You guys get where I'm going. He says, Paul says, he said, I thought as a child. I reasoned like a child. He said, but when I became a man, I did away with childish things. And I'm going to give you quick five things in the next three minutes. So if we're going to date someone, we want to look for four different signs. Write these down as quick as you can. A date pursues. Ladies, don't you like when a man pursues you? Men, don't you like when the woman wants you? Alex, that was for you, buddy. Sean, Hosey, don't you, Ryan, don't you, don't you like when your woman pursues you? I love it. Gee, right answer on Valentine's. But I'm not talking about that type of pursuit. See, y'all was, oh, yeah. Get your mind out of there, boy. Matthew 6.33 says, but first and most importantly, seek, aim, strive after God's kingdom, his righteousness, his way of doing things and being right, the attitude and the character of God. Seek that first, pursue that, and then all these things shall be added. When you're looking for a date, you want to find someone that is pursuing God before they pursue you. Their top priority is their relationship with Jesus. Not until you come along, 
but while you are coming along the journey. Amen? 1 Timothy 6, 11 says, But as for you, O man of God, flee from these things, aim at and pursue righteousness. And then it goes to talk about other attributes or characteristics of being one with God. Y'all getting anything out of this? Dating is expressing interest beyond normal recognition. My son and my daughter, they're not in here, praise the Lord. But they wanted to date when they was like 11 and 12. Daddy, he's so cute. Oh, if you could just see his eyes. I was like, yeah, but where are his eyes aimed? What do you mean? No, you're too young. We'll get to that later. I'm just, same thing. He's like, Daddy, I just want to date. What, what do you have to date? You don't want to date until you are the best date. What are you going to contribute to this type of relationship? Daddy, that's too deep. I just want to like a girl. I said, like, okay, you can like them. Know them first, right? Well, why do you want to get into dating? Just get a chance to know someone. Because dating is expressing interest beyond normal recognition. Things get awkward when all of a sudden you're dating, right? Just get a chance to know them. Amen? Engagement does not mean test drive the car before you purchase it. That's not what it means. Engagement does not mean move in, shack up, have 17 kids, and, oh, we're just too busy, we can't get married now. That's not what engagement means. Engagement means that you really sense deeply inside that God has placed you two together to fulfill his plan. That's engagement, that God has put us together, that we're honoring God in this relationship, and he's put us together. He's revealing his plan in our lives together and to have responsibility to have a holy marriage. That's engagement. How can you honor God in your relationship? The second thing you want to look for on a date is integrity. You want to make sure that your man that you're dating or the woman that you're dating has integrity. There's honesty. There's truthfulness. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life according to his religious or his spiritual convictions. What I've seen so many times, and I'm not going to say it, they're all spiritual until you're dating and you're in isolation. They tend to get less spiritual then. Things get a little hot and heavy. And then all of a sudden, oh, baby, we just we slept, in, we slept in late this morning. We can't make it to church, can we? Well, if we would not have been in inappropriate locations last night, <laughs> then tonight we wouldn't be waking up wondering why we're not going to church. Amen? Why? Because you didn't honor God in that relationship. You didn't have integrity. So I can't go into how, how much. Let's just move on. First Thessalonians 4, 3, For this is the will of God, that you be sanctified, that you be set apart, separate from sin. You abstain. You back away from sexual immorality. And the more that you back away pre-marriage, the more better. Say, everybody say, more better. The more better it becomes. The last thing. Is the fourth thing when you're dating someone, you want to find someone that makes sacrifices. That's not always about them. That they don't always come first. Their job, their friends, their plans, their hunting, their shopping, whatever. They're out nights, ladies' night out, whatever the case is. Make sure that that, no, God comes first. Friends, family comes second. And then dating relationship comes. Romans 12 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God. This is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. The person that you're pursuing, are they living as a, uh, is their life display a living sacrifice to God? Just think about that. 
The last one is Ephesians, really lays the platform and the foundation for when and if you choose to get married. And I preached all three Ephesians, but you want to just write, write that down. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26 just talks about how a husband is supposed to love his wife. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, God, for your time here with us this morning. Thank you for worship and the time we spent being with you. Uh, God, thank you for your word. And I know that I taught um, some, some different principles uh, from other resources, but I know, God, that um, it is, is founded upon how you created each and every one of us. And I ask, Lord, that you help us to be able to equip others that are in dating relationships. And I got to pray uh, for those of us who've been married for a couple of decades or even a century, um, that you would help us get back on track with dating our loved ones, our husband, our wife, God, that we begin to pursue them, that we begin to just spend quality time with them and put them just right beneath you, God, so we can enjoy all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, I pray. If anyone is lost, anyone that does not know you here this morning, God, I pray that they spend time with you today, acknowledging that they are sinful beings, acknowledging that there is nothing that they can do or no way that they can be that would ever please you except being submitted to you and allow you to transform us, God. Give us eternal life through your son, Jesus Christ. Forgive us of our sins, God. We ask that you make us, you mold us into your image, just as you created us to be. May we walk in that starting today. Help us see areas of relationships that need help. Help us address them. Give us the courage and strength, the ability, the resources to repair those issues and start fresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So guys, next week's going to be on marriage. So if you're not planning on getting married ever, you don't even need to come next week. But I know a lot of us are, so you might want to get some tools for marriage. And then the following week is how to love like you've never been hurt. So if you've got friends that have dealt with divorce or they're in the process of divorce or they're still holding on to baggage from previous divorces, two weeks from now will be a great time for them to be here. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Don't forget the totes.